Hello, beloved, and welcome to our weekly Bible study. And as you know, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit for quite some time now. And uh, we are still busy with the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And in part three on the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take a little bit of a, a look on the at the lists of um, gifts that we see in the in the Bible. Now, we've already seen so far that when a person becomes a Christian, when a person becomes a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone unto salvation, God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within that believer. Okay? And then we can say that it is God's plan that all believers should glorify God and worship God and serve God. And, and how should they do it? One of the ways, obviously, by using the gift that God has given His people for the edification of the church and to glorify Him. Okay? We are to glorify God. We are to worship God. We are to serve God. I was listening to a sermon, just the, the first part of a sermon. Actually, I, I just read some things on the uh, sermon. I actually want to go and still listen to the sermon itself. And the sermon is basically, why has our worship turned to singing music? Why has our worship turned into singing music? Because worship is much, much more than singing worship songs or praise songs to the Almighty God. Worship is much deeper than that. Now, before we continue, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much we can come to you in Jesus' name. And thank you so much for your loving kindness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you that we can have your revelation, that we can have the word. And uh, Father, thank you so much that we can study your word. And specifically with regards to the gifts of the Spirit, that there is such confusion. And I pray, Father, that as we work our way through these um, the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the, the lists of gifts that we receive uh, through your Word, I pray, Father, that you will make it clear to us, please, so that we may understand. Enable us to take it to heart and to apply it to our lives so that you may be glorified in and through our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, there are different gifts of the Spirit né, that we find in the Bible, in Scripture, obviously. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to take the lists and then start working through the lists one by one and, and, and open up the, the gifts one by one because there are even gifts in the Old Testament, like, for example, the gift of craftsmanship. I don't know if you know that there is such a gift as the gift or there was such a gift as the gift of craftsmanship. When they built the tabernacle, the Spirit of God gave the, the artisan a special ability to, to, to make all the artifacts, everything in the, in the tabernacle. And it was done at an extremely high quality. And why? Because it was a gift. It wasn't something that was acquainted by the person or what the person was born with because, let's say, his father or his grandfather or somebody in his family line was a good artisan. Therefore, that person was a good artisan and therefore they will be able to do good things in the temple. No, 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 no. God, through the Holy Spirit, 
or God the Holy Spirit enabled that person to be a good artisan and to really, really be able to make things uh, in the temple that were of superior quality uh, because it was driven by the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, there's one thing that we can say to one another from the beginning, and I'm not shy about it. You know, there are different things that are said about the, the gifts of the Spirit, but there are gifts that I believe that was there for a purpose. It was there for a specific period of time, and then they were no longer needed in the church. Right? And, and beloved, I want you to understand, when I talk about the, or, yeah, when I talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is for the purpose of edification, to edify the body of Christ, to, to build up the body of Christ. Now, one thing that is very important is it is therefore, let's say, church-directed, but obviously God is served through the church. As we serve the church, God is being served. I serve God as I serve His church. But when it comes to the gifts, and that's what the purpose of the gifts is, now when I... When, when I go to the scripture, to the Bible, and I take the Bible and I expound the Bible and I, I break it open to someone. And I, let's say I talk to someone about something and I take the scriptures and I say, just listen to this passage of scripture or just listen to this verse where God is actually addressing the issue that we are talking about now. Beloved, then let me tell you, God's revelation uh, is the highest when it comes to um, the authority within the church. Everything is subject to the authority of Scripture. Obviously, uh, everything is subject to the authority of Christ. Jesus said, all authority, now in Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Right. So Jesus has all authority. We know that. Uh, so has the Word. Because the Word is God's revelation and we have to test everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we believe, and everything that we feel. We have to basically take the Word of God, which is God's revelation. Now, remember, 40 authors who wrote the Bible over a period of 1,500 years uh, in three continents, people from diverse backgrounds, uh, kings and fishermen and... Um, taxpayers, or tax collectors, sorry. Uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing that God would use all the different writers of the Bible to, to basically write God's revelation and give it to us so that we can have it today. So we have God's revelation, which is the most amazing thing. We have the Word of God. Now for God's revelation to come to us, God gave certain people certain gifts and let's call them the temporary gifts right when the moment those gifts when they, they their purposes were fulfilled they stopped was no longer needed because we have the scriptures we have god's word we have god's perfect and final revelation and the scriptures obviously is all sufficient in all manners of faith and practice okay we don't need anything else but the Word of God. All right, so the temporary gifts basically stopped when its purpose was fulfilled. And here we can say, for example, the let's call them the sign gifts. 
okay that was while the church was established and and let's call them foundational gifts if you want all right for example we, we have the gift of miracles that that's uh how can i say the gift of miracles you can see that the apostles had that gift and they could use it so they went and they preached this amazing things happened when the apostles went out and preached the gospel and and God then working through them to do miracles. So he worked the gift of miracles through them to basically establish the authority of the church, to say that the church, as Jesus Christ, through the miracles and the things that he did, which was in accordance to the Old Testament, to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, so we have in the New Testament certain gifts, which are, for example, the miracle gifts, and those gifts were specifically for the purpose of establishing the church and the authentication of the, let's say, the reality of the church, that the church is real uh, and that God is not only involved in the church, but that Christ Jesus, the Messiah, is actually the head of the church. And he guides and directs his church. And God, the Holy Spirit, that dwells within each and every believer, works his power and his miracle-working power in that sense. Uh, The gift of powers, it's also called. Now, this gift of miracles was foundational in the church. And once the church was established, and and for, for example, where the Apostle Paul says to Titus that he has to go to every city and has to, he has to put things in order. And what did he have to do? He had to appoint elders in every church. And what was the function of every of all the elders in the churches? The function was to be able to teach. Obviously, they had qualifications that they had to, um, how can I say, uh, they, they had to have those qualifications to be able to be elders. All right. But also, when it came to ministry, they had specific things that they had to do. The Apostle Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders in, in Acts chapter 20. And he told them a lot of things that he basically expected that the elders, as he was speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now Paul speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking to the elders, things that the, the Ephesian elders were supposed to embrace from the Apostle Paul and then apply it uh, in the church. Now, Obviously, when the apostles passed away and the early church, let's call it the early church. When the early church was replaced by, there is no such thing as a second generation Christian, by the way. Always first generation. Why? Because we all have to be born again. All right. So if you are born of a woman and um, you are flesh and blood and God it gives you the gift of the rebirth. The Holy Spirit regenerates you. That's a miracle. Absolutely a miracle. And which means from that moment on, you're a first generation Christian. And let's say, for example, your child now um, receives the gift of regeneration, is born again. Now receives the gift of saving faith. Then still your child is then first-generation Christian, even though he might know or she might know more than you because they've seen you, they've followed you, they watched you, and they've learned from you. But still, when it comes to salvation, it's always an individual thing, and every single person has to be personally born again. 
right. You can't be, um, how can I say, you can't ride on somebody else's rebirth. You have to be uh, reborn yourself. You have to, how can I say, be regenerated by the Spirit of God. Now, this gift of miracle was extraordinary if you look, look at the scriptures and you look at what the those who were involved in laying the foundation of the church, what they were involved in. The Apostle Paul, for example. Oh, Peter, sorry, Peter. They, they took, um, what should we call it, uh, like handkerchiefs, cloths, and uh, put it on people and people would be healed. It, it's just absolutely amazing, the, the miracles, the things that took place uh, during the time of the Apostles. But once their authority was established, they were no longer needed. Why? Because the scriptures were basically in place. The Old Testament scriptures and then the New Testament, slowly but surely, the letters and the books that was accepted by the early church started being distributed among the churches and they accepted it as authoritative. All right, so by the time that the Canaan was combined or compiled, uh, the churches already, um, how can I say, affirmed that a certain amount of books were, how can I say, authoritative. So those books became part of the Canaan. All right. And then the gift of miracles were no longer needed. Why? Because uh, the scriptures, God's perfect revelation is basically there. And if we share the word of God with people, the preaching of the gospel, um, the gospel, by the way, is the power of God unto salvation. But when somebody preaches the gospel, that's the means that God uses to save people. No longer was it necessary for miracles. You can do as many miracles as you want. It's not going to change the heart of a sinner. The gospel does. So when we preach the gospel and we share the, let's say, the bad of the gospel in the sense that we have to tell people about the bad in the sense that we are sinners on our way to hell, deserving of hell in the sight of a holy God, because how can we enter into the presence of the holy God and we are uh, full of sin and we inherited that sin from our forefathers, Adam and Eve. But besides that, not only that, we also committed sin physically. All right, so that separates us from God. But praise God in Christ Jesus, he came and reconciled us to himself. Now through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God reconciled us to himself and we became part of his family, became part of his children. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and he makes us part of the church. Now he baptizes us into the church, into the body of Christ, and we are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And he starts working the gift that he gives us through us. Just absolutely amazing. All right, so, beloved, at the end of the day, when you see the gift of miracles in the Bible, we know it was foundational. It was very important for laying the foundation of the church uh, to authenticate the church, to authenticate the headship of Christ over the church, and to authenticate the fact that believers are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. All right, and to authenticate the how can I say, the, the authority of God's revelation. Okay, Because it was confirmed that those who did those miracles were the ones who wrote 
down what God wanted them to write, to write down so that we can have the Word of God today. Absolutely amazing. Okay. And by the way, the, the purpose of the miracles was always to present some other spiritual truth. It was never just to do a miracle, you know, so that the disciples or the apostles could be seen by everyone and say, wow, just look at Paul, just look at Peter, just look at these people. Whoa. That was not the purpose. Not at all. The purpose was always to present the spiritual truth. Okay. To tell the people seeing the miracle, to tell them um, or show them something uh, of who God is and his greatness and uh, who and, and what, um, how can I say, Christ is, for example, when, uh, when, when Peter and, I think it's Peter and John, when they prayed for that man at the temple, you know, the one that was blind, and he could see again, it was clearly said to him that it was the name of Jesus Christ who raised him up and allowed him to, to see again. Uh, and that was to authenticate, once again, Jesus Christ. So the miracle, even though it was a miracle, a healing that took place, Yet, it was there so that it could authenticate the, the, the authority and the reality of the church of which Jesus Christ is the head. And it showed the authority of Jesus Christ himself. Absolutely amazing. All right. Now, when we come to get to tongues, for example, tongues was a supernatural ability to speak in an unknown language, uh, sorry, a known language, but unknown to yourself. Nah? So it's the ability to speak to a known language, but you didn't acquire that language naturally. We've already spoken about it a little bit. All right. Now, it means that that language is basically given by God. Okay. And, and what was the purpose? Was it intended to, to always be there? Or was the intention to basically be a sign of judgment to Israel? Remember, they, they, they have forsaken God. They didn't care about Jesus Christ. They basically said, crucify the Messiah. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. So what do we have here? We have um, Israel being in uh, Jerusalem. Now, many, many Jews on the day of Pentecost. And here is this group of people speaking in their dialectos, in their, their languages, about the great things of God. Okay, And what they were saying, basically, was they were speaking to Israel with a foreign language. And God said, and I spoke about it already, now, but God said already that he was going to speak to the people of Israel in uh, unknown languages. So for Israel, when they heard that, they were supposed to repent immediately. Well, they waited for Peter to finish his sermon first. But they were supposed to repent immediately. But the remnant repented immediately. Why? I believe they knew what the Old Testament taught with regards to the fact that God would speak to Israel in, unknown, in, in, in um, other languages, but as a judgment because they have forsaken the Messiah. They have basically... Um, said, we don't want the Messiah. We don't care about him. Right? And then obviously, the gift of tongues was also very instrumental in um, helping to get the gospel out of Jerusalem. Uh, persecution also helped because the people were so just wanted to be together 
be together and that kind of thing. So uh, they were scattered all, all over the known world at that specific day uh, time. And obviously the, the gift of tongues uh, would help the spread of the gospel to places and to people that those who were scattered to those areas could they couldn't understand the language that they were speaking, but that language could be understood by those who were there. And once again, the, it would be languages, people with other languages coming to, to, to even the Jews and speaking to them as a way of saying, listen, God's judgment has come upon you. Then just one more that I would like to, to quickly share with you, and that is the gift of healing. All right. I believe that the gift of healing is also a temporary gift. It was to basically, what I said before, to authenticate the, how can I say, the reality of the church, the reality that God was working uh, through these people with with these gifts. And I mean, you can just see uh, all the, the miracles and all the healings that the apostles did. Absolutely amazing. Those people, those kind of healings do not exist anymore today. I I haven't seen any. These uh, faith healers that go out and say, oh, be healed in Jesus' name. Then they say, but your, your faith must be strong. Where what I see in the scriptures, uh, it was the, the apostles that went out, those with the gift of healing, and they just healed people as a, as a means of just putting the foot down and saying, listen, the kingdom of God is among you. It's there. Yeah. You know, so... What we do nowadays, do we believe that God can heal people? Of course we, we believe that. If we don't believe that, that's stupidity. Uh, in James, we clearly read about uh, healing. Now, if you are sick, then let the elders come. And let them pray for you. Now, and um, the prayer of faith will rise up that person. Okay, so when it comes to healing today, we, pr- we pray in accordance to the will of God for someone. So I pray, Father, I pray, please, in Jesus' name, um, you are the great physician. doesn't matter exactly what the words are, but you're the great physician. I pray that you please heal this person or you heal such and such and such a person. doesn't matter where they are because God is everywhere. Um, so we pray, but then we say, your will be done. Why do we do that? Because it's subject to God's will. It's not as if I've got the gift of healing and I can go around and just pray for people or just tell them, listen, be healed in Jesus' name and they will be healed. It doesn't work like that. We pray in accordance to the will of God. And by the way, if there's somebody that that has a a certain kind of demonic influence in their lives, um, in in modern days they will say it's a psychological illness or whatever. Uh, Without fasting and prayer, that generation doesn't go out. So what needs to happen is we need to fast and pray. There are times that when it comes to healing, we need to fast and we need to pray. Uh, and when it comes to, I mean, casting out demons, what needs to happen is we need to pray in accordance to the will of God. God can heal anyone at any time. It's a fact, right? But God wants us to come to him and pray in faith, which means I trust him that he is able to say uh, to, to heal. So I trust him and I, uh, how can I say, believe, I have faith in the fact that God is able to heal. And because God is able to heal, that's why I pray and I ask God for healing. But it's very clear that God is no longer authenticating certain things, showing that the apostles were true apostles, that those with the gift of healing were, were 
really people who had the gift of healing. Nowadays, um, when we pray for someone and that person is healed, we give glory to God because it was a direct healing from the Almighty God. Okay, so we don't just go around and accept all kinds of healings, you know, especially through these faith healers, because sometimes those healings doesn't even last long. Sometimes people don't even get healed. I was watching a video the other day, sad, where Kenneth Copeland was praying for a man in a wheelchair, and that man actually fell backwards. That wheelchair slipped out from underneath him. The, the wheels turned, and he he fell. Um, he never got up from the wheelchair. Where I believe if it was in the Old Ach, in the New Testament, in New Testament time when the foundation was still laid uh, within the church, that such a person would be raised from the dead, especially if God would lead uh, one of the apostles or the person with the gift of healing to such a person. That person would definitely be healed. But nowadays, it doesn't work like that. You see, healing is all about faith in God to heal. Not, how can I say, I've got the gift of healing and therefore if I pray for you, you will be healed. And I know that people have changed their, their tunes because it, they realize it doesn't work like that anymore. Because in, in the beginning, people would be very, how can I say, those with a so-called gift of healing, they would be very arrogant and say, I've got the gift of healing, so I'm going to pray for you and you will be healed. And later they realize, whoa, wait, 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 people are not getting healed. So they started saying and adding, um, it's connected to your faith. And then they will quote scriptures and whatever. Obviously, um, to be healed today when we pray to God is we have must have faith in God. We must trust Him. It's a fact. But you can't connect it to the gift of healing as it was in um, in the early days of the church. All right. And and if you look very carefully, you can see that the the gift of healing uh, was kind of limited to the office of the apostle and the prophet. I'm talking about the office now. Yeah, it was basically limited there. Now, beloved, uh, this is where I'm going to stop. God willing, next week, uh, next time, um, I'm going to end for the rest of the year. Then, God willing, in January, we'll continue. And then we will continue with the permanent gifts. Now, the gifts that we still have today and those we still use today to edify the body of Christ. All right, that's the, the wonderful thing that we have, that we still have some some exciting study to do okay let's pray father thank you so much for your love and kindness thank you for who you are and what you've done for us thank you for your word that teaches us that shows us what we what we need to understand and those things that we need to just throw out because those things are no longer like that i pray father that your hand will be upon us as we go into this festive season i pray that you be with each and every person God willing, until we meet again, uh, if it be your will, in January uh, 2024, what an exciting um, thing to look forward to. And may your name be glorified. And Father, as we use our gifts to your glory, may your name be glorified in everything. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. God bless. Bye-bye.